Hey, so last week we started a brand new series working through the book of Hebrews, looking at this subject title, Not Going Back. And we're just going to be spending the whole summer just working through this book, or, or more accurately, this, this sermon to Jewish people who have converted to Christianity. And, and what we'll see is that as we read through this book, this group of people have, have kind of left the religious system. They've moved away from Old Testament law and now they believe and recognize that salvation comes through the grace of Jesus Christ. However, as we continue through the book, what we'll see is that the, the author, the writer, is, is essentially calling them out because their behaviors, their attitudes are, are kind of changing and shifting back into what they used to know. They're kind of moving back towards what was comfortable, what their old life looked like, things that they used to do and used to know well in their kind of Jewish roots. And so what's happening is he's calling them out or she's calling them out saying, no, you shouldn't be doing that anymore because we recognize and we understand that Jesus is Lord, he's our savior, and we have covered now by grace and we no longer live under law. So the title of this series is Not Going Out. And today I want to speak to us under the subject title of Staying Power. Staying Power. So we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 3, just a few verses, and then we're going to delve into this. So Hebrews chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus whom we acknowledge as our apostle and our high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honour than Moses, just as the builder of the house has greater honour than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was a faithful servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But as Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Why don't we pray? Father God, we thank you for once again this opportunity to come around your word and I pray that as we uh, unpack this scripture a little bit that you will speak directly into our hearts, our souls and you will awaken something within us that, that recognises any attitudes or, or way of living that is, is wrong and does not come in line with your will for our lives and I pray that as we, uh, as we finish up today we will be changed more and more into your likeness. We thank you for your grace, we thank you for your life and your perfect example. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So yeah, I want to talk to us today from the, the subject title of Staying Power, and, and we're looking at this group of people, these, uh, these Jews who've converted to Christianity, and what we're seeing is that they're, they're experiencing what I expect most of us quickly recognize on our journey of faith, that actually it can be tough going. You see, God never said, Jesus never said it's going to be easy. He just said, follow me. When he called us into relationship with him, when he called us into a friendship and this journey of faith with him. 
You see, what we'll realise and we'll quickly notice is as we begin to walk in the plans and purposes that God has for our lives, we'll find that we, we come up against some resistance. We come up against uh, brick walls and challenges that try to slow us down, that try to stop us from walking in the calling that God's placed on our lives. You see, we live in a spiritual realm. There are powers and principalities at work all around us that are trying to stop us, that are trying to pull us away from the things that God has got for us. And so actually, if you're a believer today and you're not experiencing some of this kind of resistance in your life, then maybe we just need to take a look at ourselves for a moment and say, perhaps I'm going in the same direction as the enemy instead of in the direction that Jesus is calling us to. Because, you know, I think we're, we're meant to be in the world, not of it. So if we put that kind of in, in another way, we're, we're supposed to be those salmon swimming up the stream against the current to get to the top. We're supposed to be driving the wrong way down a one-way street. We're supposed to feel this kind of resistance in our lives. It, it perhaps even gives us some kind of assurance that we're following the plans and purposes that God's got for our lives. So what the author of Hebrews is saying is he's saying, okay, I recognize that your life is hard, that there's challenges, that there's difficulties, that you're facing persecution. But what he's saying is don't give up. Why are we not giving up? Because we're not going to go back. We're not going to drift back into our old life. We're not going to move back into the things that feel comfortable and feel easy and natural, but we're going to stay the course. We're going to keep on moving forward in the plans and purposes God's got for our lives as a people back then and for us here today. So our passage this morning, it starts with the word, therefore. And you know that when you see the word therefore, you've got to ask yourself, what is it there for? And so it's therefore, in the light of everything that we looked at last week in chapters one and two of, of this book, that Jesus is far superior to the angels. He's far superior to the prophets and, and everything else. And, you know, if Jesus isn't uh, superior in your life, if he isn't first place and, and number one in your life, then actually you'll be living an inferior life. We need to put Jesus first. We need to have him at the, the topmost thought of our minds. He needs to be the, the first thing that we think of. He needs to be our first port of call when we're sad, when we're stressed, when we're anxious, but also when we're jo in feeling joy. It shouldn't be that when we're happy we turn to Jesus or just when we're sad and struggling that we turn to Jesus. It needs to be all the time. He needs to be number one above everything because he is the, the King of Kings and the, the Lord of Lords and, and the only name by which we can be saved. So therefore, in the light of all of this uh, understanding of Jesus' superiority over everything else, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling. So today I just want to highlight and pull out three words from this short passage of scripture. And the first is this, share, share. You see, if you're hearing this message today and, and you're struggling for, for some reason, and maybe you're getting to that point where you, you feel like you need to drift back, where you, you feel yourself falling back into old patterns, old habits, 
old ways of living, those things that were easy and comfortable and maybe brought satisfaction and fulfillment for a short while, then maybe this message is for you. Ask yourself today, are you sharing your calling? Are you sharing your calling? You see, God's design for humanity and for life was always that we should be in community. It was always that we should be in community, not only with him, but also with other people. And that means that our calling, what God places on our lives, is connected to people. So when God gives us a calling, when God gives us a a, a God-sized dream that that maybe overwhelms us in some way, we, we can be comforted by the fact that we're not meant to carry it alone. It's not... Uh, our calling alone. It's not not our dream alone. It's something that's supposed to be and meant to be and purposed and designed to be shared with other people. It means that that our calling is connected to other people. It requires other people in our lives. You know, if you think of your life as a seed, for example, a seed produces fruit, doesn't it? But a seed doesn't produce fruit on its own. A seed requires a good environment. It requires planting in healthy soil. A seed requires water and it requires sunlight. It also requires a gardener to, to come along and to pull out the weeds that would, that would try to uh, harm or take away the light from the seed in order to grow and produce fruit. You see, your calling and your God dream may be this seed. But if you just put that seed on the side, it's not going to do anything. There's not going to be producing any fruit. If you put that seed into soil, even then it's not likely to produce much fruit without all of these other elements. And in the same way, our calling, our dream, our purpose, it requires other people to get involved, to support us, to to water us, to feed us, to, to pull out those weeds and the things that are trying to shelter us from the light of Jesus. You know, we're supposed to be in community. The Bible describes us as a body with Jesus as the head. There's different people that's playing different parts, playing different roles in our lives. We're not supposed to do everything. We're not supposed to be every part. We're supposed to recognize, well, this is something that I'm good at. This is where I flow. But you, you're good at this. You flow in this way. So you come alongside me and I'll come alongside you. And together we can flow in this calling that God's placed us and positioned us and purposed for us. And when we have those people around us, those people that can, can support us in that sense, it means that when we start to drift back, when we come up against that resistance and the challenges that make us think, is it really worth it anymore? that actually those people can come along and say, wait a minute, let me pull out that bad thought. Let me pull out that that root of evil and just shed some light on this dark situation that you're facing right now because God has meant something more for you. God has got great plans and great purposes for your lives, so don't be distracted. And together, we can support one another. Together, as a community, as a people, as the church, we can begin to see incredible fruit when we work in harmony and in unity together. So just last week, uh, we were doing some homework. Ruth was doing some homework with 
Caleb and it was a science project and he was supposed to be uh, talking about different sources of light. And so he begins to reel off these different sources. He's like a, a lamp, a light bulb, a torch, the sun, Jesus. Wait, wait a minute. He, he is a source of light, isn't he? And so we're like, well, yeah, he is a source of light in, in that kind of metaphorical sense. And it was just oh, it was so cute that he just kind of reeled him off just naturally in this list of, of sources of light. We need light in our lives in order to grow. We need the light of Jesus, of the truth of the gospel in order for us to grow and see the fruit. Jesus never said it was going to be easy. He just said, follow me. And you better know that actually when you begin to walk in the plans and purposes that God has for your life, when you begin to root yourself in scripture and on the promises and the word of God, you'll begin to grow, you'll begin to flourish. This, this seed will burst forth with fruit. That's what happens when we're planted and rooted in the truth of Jesus Christ. But it's then, it's once we begin to grow, it's once we begin to take root and, and to flourish that actually those voices will start to rise up. Those voices will start to creep up telling us that we're not good enough telling you and, and criticizing you for your actions and pointing out your failures and your mistakes. And so you need, we all need people in our lives to come around us, to, to, to pull out those weeds and to shed light on the truth and to begin to, to share our calling. It's so important to share our calling. Your brothers and sisters who share in this heavenly calling. You know, in 2019, God spoke to me and he said that, that as a church, as Hope Church Lytham, we are supposed to be a church that is needed by our community. A church that is needed by our community. Now, God didn't say you, John Filmer, are supposed to be needed by your community. He said you as a church, as a local body, as a collection of believers under the banner of Hope Church Lytham, you together are to become a church that is needed by your community. This isn't my calling. God may have spoken it to me, but it's not my calling. It's our calling. Together, in unity, working in perfect harmony, together we can achieve this calling. And why is that important? Why is it important to recognise it's not my calling, but, but our calling? Well, first and foremost, it takes some of the pressure of me when we recognize that because if it's if it's my calling then I look at this kind of God-sized vision and just begin to to be overwhelmed and to sink under the weight of the pressure of what that looks like but actually when we when we look at it in the reality and the truth that that it's not my calling but our calling it begins we share the load and so the weight begins to lift and together as we work together and share this calling we can see it come to fruition. For one man alone is too much. And that's the same with all of our callings. For one person alone, it's too much. So we need to share the load. We need to work together in unity to see the fruit come. So reading on, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. 
He was, full, he was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honour than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honour than the house itself. For every, every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. So we've got to share our calling. And the second word I want to highlight is, is fix. It's fix. You know, people don't just quit something. You don't just quit your job. You don't just get a divorce. You don't just give up on something. You quit a hundred times in your mind first. You know, where the mind goes, the body will follow. Where the mind goes, the body will follow. Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He placed such importance on on getting our thought life right, on getting our minds right, because he recognized this truth of where the mind goes, the body will follow. So we need to be careful not to give our thought life, not to give our minds over to the enemy. We need to entrust it to God. We need to put Jesus first in our thought life, in the things that we focus on and think about. And so what the author here in Hebrews is, is saying is that he finds them drifting back into, you know, life under law and not grace. And they're, they're putting Jesus on the same playing fields as, as prophets and as angels, and that includes Moses. Now, now Moses, just to give the context, he's, he's one of the most revered prophets in, in the whole of Judaism. He was the one chosen by God to deliver the law to God's people. So Moses was a really important guy, but what the author is saying here is that Moses was just a man. He's just a man like you and me. He's an ordinary guy. And so this, this phrase, this scripture is saying that Moses was a servant in God's house, but Jesus is the builder of the house. You know, the house doesn't get the honour, but the builder of the house, the creator of the house is the one that gets the honour. You know, take, take this iPhone, for example. We don't look at this iPhone and say, wow, what a genius it is. We don't look at the iPhone and say that because the iPhone has limitations. What we do is we, we look to the designer, we look to Steve Jobs and go, wow, he's a genius. If he can do this, what else can he do? What else can we can we tap into him for? <coughs> Moses is just a servant in the house, but Jesus is the builder of the house. And so the scripture says that we need to fix our thoughts, not on the law, not even on the one who, who delivered the law, but the one who fulfilled the law, Jesus. The one who fulfilled the law, Jesus. So He's saying, don't fix your thoughts on the principles of the Old Testament, but on the person, the living, breathing principle, the one who is the exact representation of the one who gave the law. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Now, I remember um, probably about five or more years ago, um, me and my brother and my dad, we went on this four by four experience. It was a gift for my dad's birthday, I think. And, and so we get to this, 
this place and, and we, we're looking at this track and it's set out with all kinds of bumps and hills and crevices and, and logs and water traps and, and all these different kinds of terrain. And so we get in this, this you know, powerful 4x4 four four, Land Rover or whatever with one of those snorkel things so it can go through water. My dad's in the driver's seat. You know, he's an experienced driver. He's been doing this for a, for a long time. <coughs> and so uh, the instructor, the pro is there, sat in the passenger seat next to him. And, you know, our natural instinct as drivers, for any of you who drive, know that that what you do when you drive uh, a car with gears is that you get yourself in the right gear for the terrain that you're about to face. So you know that depending on what speed you're doing or depending whether you're overtaking or driving on a motorway, whatever it is, you need to shift gear into the, the right gear that suits the terrain. So we're in this 4x4 and my dad's sat in the driver's seat and he's getting himself accustomed to what it looks like and what it feels like. And, and then the pro, the instructor, he says to him, OK, what I want you to do is get in first gear and then stay in first gear for the whole way round this course. Just fix yourself in first gear and let's do this together. And so we're bumping around and we're going over this course. And it's, I mean, some of the angles that we were driving at were just, it was scary. You know, you definitely thought you were going to topple over and we're going through water and bumping over the logs and all the way round, fixed in first gear. You know, we get tempted, don't we, to change gear. And not just in a driving sense, but in a life sense, depending on what we're facing, depending on if we're facing, you know, tr troubles and things that are blocking us. If things start to get a little rocky, we shift gear in our minds. We shift gear in our attitudes. But what the author is saying here and what God is saying to us today is that you, you no longer need to live in, the, in what you knew, <coughs> in what was comfortable. You need to fix yourself on this new way of driving, on this new way of doing life. Fix yourself in the first and most important gear of all, the gear of Jesus. Just fix yourself on Jesus and you'll find that as you drive and you go throughout this journey of life, no matter what terrain you face, you'll be able to get through it if you fix yourself on Jesus. So if you're worried, if you're anxious, if you're facing challenges that seem so overwhelming, if you're under pressure that seems too heavy to bear, fix yourself on Jesus. Fix yourself, your thoughts, your heart, your attitude on Jesus. Because what you think about, you'll live out. What you think about, you'll live out. As we said, where your mind goes, your body follows. So renew your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind and fix your thoughts on Jesus. So let's just continue to read in this portion of scripture. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But God is faithful as the son over God's house. And we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. So we need to share our calling. We need to fix our thoughts on Jesus. And thirdly, 
we need to stay. Stay. You know, if we're going to declare over our lives, we are not going back, then we need to be more committed to staying than to going. We need to be more committed to staying than to going. Do you know what one of the most common phrases used in movies is? Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. It's the most common or one of the most common phrases used in movies. And, and why is that? Because, you know, when things get tricky, when things get challenging, uncomfortable, difficult, we just want to get out of there as quickly as we possibly can. Let's get out of here. How many of you know that, that leaving is the easy way out? Leaving is, the, is, is often the easy way out, but staying often takes courage. It takes character. It takes determination. You know, my parents were married 45 years before my dad passed away. It's, it's an inspiration to me as a married man. I look to them and I think, wow, they, they have set a precedent, an example for, for how I should live my life, how I should conduct my marriage. Was it easy for them? I don't think so. Were there struggles from time to time? Of course there were. Were there moments in their lives when they thought about getting out of there? I don't know, quite possibly. But what did they do? How did they sustain it? How did they see it through its course? Because they chose, they were intentional about staying. They chose to stay. You know, if you want to get the job done, if you want to reach the goal, if you want to see the fruit of your efforts, you need to choose to stay. You need to choose to stay. Moses was in the house. Jesus was over the house. But we are the house. And Jesus is over us. So we look to, we fix our minds on Jesus, the one who is the head of the body, the one who is over this house that God created us to be. We need to stay under his lordship, his kingship, his love, his grace, his kindness, and his guidance so that we can go on to live in the fullness of the promises that he has got for us. Because God has got great plans for you. I don't know, it, it might not seem it like it right now. It might, you might be in a place in your life where you feel like it's too tough. You feel like God's deserted you even. You feel like things just don't seem to be working the way they should. But God has got good plans for you. God has got plans to prosper you and not to harm you. So we just need to fix our eyes on him. And we need to stay. We need to stay the course. Stay throughout whatever it is that we're facing. And let's see what comes when we get out of the other side. Let's see what God's got for us on the other side of our fear. As we said last week, this life of faith, this journey of faith that we're called to, it's not an easy journey. I'm not going to make any pretense about it. It's not an easy journey. There are challenges. There are struggles. All kinds of different terrain that we're going to face on this journey. But I want to declare today that I am with you. I am for you. I will support you and encourage you and empower you and help you in whatever way I can. If you need help today, if you're struggling, reach out, get in touch. 
drop it in the comments. Let me know because I am for you. I want to see God's best in your life. I want to see you live in the fullness of his purpose and his promises. And I want to see you come out of the other side of whatever it is you might be facing. I want to see you come out the other side of whatever valley you're going through right now because I know that the best is yet to come. That this challenge is not a destination, but it's just a route to get to the promises and the fullness and the fruit of what God's got in store for you. How are we going to do this? How are we going to get through? How are we going to stay the course? We're going to share this burden. We're going to share this calling. We're going to fix our mind on Jesus and we are going to stay. We're going to stand firm. We're going to stay the course, believing that the best is yet to come, that he has got incredible plans for our lives. We're not going to take the easy way out. We're just going to stay. Even when it's scary, we're going to stay. Even when the pressure is building, we're going to stay, knowing that we don't need to take it all on our own shoulders. We can share that burden. And no matter what comes at us, no matter what we begin to face, we're going to declare together over our lives, we are not going back. Why don't we pray? Father God, we thank you for uh, the challenge of this life that you call us to. We thank you uh, for the exciting journey of faith. And so I pray today for each and every person that's watching or listening to this message that feels like life is too hard, that feels like they want to escape or get out of there as quick as possible. I pray your peace, your strength, your power into their lives and their situations that will give them the courage and the boldness to stay. I pray that we will fix our minds on you and I pray for people to come around us and to share with us and to support us in this journey of faith together. We thank you that you are with us. We thank you that you are for us and we thank you for the incredible future that lies ahead as we walk this journey in partnership with you. In Jesus' name, amen.